Welcome to Shireen Conversations. I'm your host, Marjana Paravan. On today's episode, I am joined by Sepide Dodsatan, a real estate agent who has spent a decade specializing in energy efficiency and green homes. She considers herself to be a comfort consultant, helping her clients not only find their dream home, but also creating one that meets their specific needs both visually and sustainably. Sepide not only shares stories about green homes with us, but also about the homes left behind as she speaks to us candidly for the first time about her experience leaving Iran in a not-so-traditional way after the revolution. Hi, Stephita Jun. Thank you so much for joining me today on Sheeting Conversations. How are you? I'm well. Thank you so much for having me on here, Marjan. Of course. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Um, I'm actually going to treat this um, interview a bit differently. I want my audience to get to know who you are now and what you do currently in your career. And then we're going to get a little bit more personal towards the end and have you share more information and more about your story of leaving Iran. So as, as I mentioned, I'd love to start this conversation with where you are in your career. And you're currently in real estate. And I don't want to call you a real estate agent. I feel like that's like you can't define you in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you are more than that. You actually, um, if I can take the words out of your own mouth, you consider yourself a comfort consultant. So you're actually helping your clients find not just their homes, their dream homes, but something that meets their specific needs. Um, with that being said, your um, expertise in is in green efficiency and in green homes. Can you share with us a little bit of what that means? Yes, I'd be happy to. And actually, I think you said it best. Um, it's a little bit hard to define me because I've, uh, I am a real estate agent. I have had been active since 2003, um, but around 2015, um, I had an opportunity to earn a um, what's called a green designation that's put out by the National Association of Realtors. It's a national program and it's pretty intense. It was three days. Um, And the reason I did it was because I wanted to take my offering, what I did to the next level. I um, wasn't bored with real estate, but what I wanted to do is get more involved with the community and be more than just, hey, list with me, my marketing's better, this better. I wanted, how can I give more to my clients, more of a value add? And I really believe in sustainability and um, everything that it means. So when I uh, took that class, it was fortuitous for me because it was exactly, it was just life-changing. I mean, I felt uh, like a lightning bolt hit me and I thought, this is it. This is my future because I learned so much about the built environment, uh, what you could do um, to make it more comfortable, um, healthier space. And I knew that people just didn't know this. I felt like I needed to stand on a soapbox and let everyone know, guys, we can make your homes more efficient. And that just what that means is more comfort and healthier indoor living space. So that led me down this path where I, um, the gentleman who was teaching at John Shipman, um, you know, he's like, look, you're really passionate about this. And why don't you come on board? And I ended up getting a job at Build It Green as a program manager. But I said, I still have to keep my roots in real estate, because that really is where my um, heart is and what I want to do. And so we, um, I really got entrenched in that space. So currently I'm with a different company still as a program manager, Franklin Energy. And um, we teach um, about the built, it's like building science. We teach everyone, all the stakeholders in the real estate industry, from contractors and appraisers, but I've also developed um our own green real estate business. Uh, so we kind of 
work with the homeowners and um, buyers and helping them not only purchase their home, but retrofit it to be more efficient and a better space to live in. That's actually interesting. I had no idea that you can actually buy an existing property and completely, I know you can renovate things and update things, but I didn't realize you can actually kind of make it a smart home in a way where it's efficient in that, in that you're ahead of your time, I guess you said 2003 is when you got into this, which is like when people weren't thinking about anything about being efficient, people left their lights on, they leave the house. Like it wasn't about that. So you definitely were ahead of your time. And I love that you also educate people. It's not about, this is why this is better for you, but you, you, they, these people already have it ingrained in their head of what, how they want to live a better lifestyle too. So you're educating them in ways that happen. And before real estate, you actually were in wholesale lending. And I think that's actually a bonus for your current clients because technically clients don't work with wholesale lenders. They usually work with their mortgage brokers and an entire team. So working with you is actually, you're coaching them. You're teaching them about lifestyles. You're finding homes that are their specific needs, but you're actually helping them get the best opportunities that they can. Um, And I find that that's so interesting because I I don't ever usually see people being so helpful in this. And you know what I mean? It's like, you got your home. Great. Wash my hands clean. That's your home. Not to negatively speak, but it's in a way you're, you're really walking them through the phases of different ways to, you know, best opportunities, best homes, whatever they will be, you know, appreciative of you. Um, So that's actually really amazing. I thought that that intrigued me. So you not only got interested in the green efficiency, you kind of created that within your company in a sense and led that effort. And then you have this background. What intrigued you with these areas? I know that you had mentioned, you know, growing up um, in in an area, you don't want to just be about the marketing, but what intrigued you specifically about these two industries and kind of merging them together? You know, it's a great question. Um, I've really been driven by real estate for uh, since in my early twenties. Um, I worked for a company doing, I was a property manager um, doing as a commercial, like leasing office space. Um, not that I really had a, a, a drive or passion for that, but I did have a drive and passion for real estate and, you know, life is never a straight line. It's a zigzag. And so, um, but sales and being involved with people or engaging with people was something that was always a part of what I did. And um, when I got my, when I decided to get my real estate license right around when I was 30 is um, when I, that it was just really had blossomed this, like, okay, I got to go after this. It's something that's just burning inside me. And so I got into real estate and real estate is not easy by any stretch of the imagination. It takes a lot of time and money um, before you, you know, get your, you know, get, start a business. And so, um, and like I said, I I did that for um, several years before I thought, you know, there's gotta be more to this. And it wasn't until I learned about the built environment that the two connected for me that I've always, what drove me in real estate was actually helping people. I really enjoyed that these, this is the biggest investment you make. This is um, your home. This is important. And I felt that the experience should be exceptional from the minute you speak to the first person you hire to represent you till the time you get your keys. I feel that that process should stand out. It shouldn't be a stressful, negative experience. So I really set out to change that experience with me. So if anyone decided to work with me, it was going to be something that 
was meaningful. It's just like their first home or second or third home, whatever. And I know that in this, in this industry, that experience is not good for most people. It's stressful. And, and I really think it doesn't need to be so, but I coupled that with when I learned about the built environment, I thought, wow, there's so much room for improvement here. And I really set out to, to make those changes so that the working with me would result in a, um, just an outstanding experience, not from just the purchase, but also to go into your home and feel better and not have the, um, you know, allergies and all of those things that we experienced to have those be remedied. Yeah, no, you actually said that perfectly. You took the words out of my mouth, you know, thinking about even moving in itself is stressful, like packing up all of your, your life in boxes and moving to a new place. But you're absolutely right. Like you don't want to carry on that negative experience with this journey that you're going through because talking to friends and family, like how did this process go? It's always going to be negative. And then you kind of play place that with the place that you live. And I love that you do that because you want that entire process to be, it's kind of like having a baby, I guess. You know what I mean? It's, you know, that that actual journey is going to be difficult, but actually at the end it's rewarding. So that's incredible. I love that you did that. And you touched a little bit about um, your younger years. And so I think this is a perfect segue for us to actually start to talk a little bit more about your personal life. I mean, yes, you basically were raised and born, not born, but you basically grew up in Orange County, um, California. So, but that's not where you're from. Um, You were born in Iran and you did come from Iran right after the revolution in 1981. So you're just a child. And so you saw everything that played out Get coming here, I'm sure that that was a story in itself. And I know this is the first time you're actually publicly speaking about your story. And I just want to remind my audience that, you know, this is something that Sepida and I actually spoke about. I want to make sure she was comfortable with sharing with us. But um, I would, lo- I know, I'm sure it's a traumatic experience. And I, I'm sure my audience would love to hear your journey and in your own words of how that experience went and even how that kind of puts that taste in your mouth about our culture. You know, um, thank you for giving me these, this platform, this opportunity to speak about it. And like you said, I have never shared this um, with an audience. Um, I've shared it with, you know, friends um, throughout my, you know, time here, 40 some odd years here, um, but I've never really sat down and um, shared it with an audience. And this is, uh, it's special to me to be able to do that now. Um, and one of the reasons I hadn't, and a lot of people were like, you should write a book about this. And I never really thought, I thought, okay, yeah, it's an interesting story because it's different. Not everybody experiences that, but I never thought a book, I thought that was just so self-centered. Like, what, why would people be interested in that? Right. There's so many people that face so many adversities and what makes me so special to write a book about it. And so that was my take on it. And honestly, it wasn't until I had my daughter um, in 2012, and she was six weeks old. I remember the moment um, very distinctly. Um, I was holding her. It was um, like 6.15 in the morning, and I was looking at her. It was quiet. There was no one else awake. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was looking at her and feeling this immense amount of love towards her, and I couldn't believe, you know, everyone tells you you're going to you know, the love you feel when you have your child and you think how much deeper can I love? And, and it was that moment. And I thought, I can't believe, um, and I might get a little emotional here that my mom, um, had to hand me off at such a young age and trust that, um, these people were going to deliver me to to the other side, like to Turkey. Um, I didn't know what was going on. So 
going into the story now is that um, my um, we had to um, leave Iran because of all the war and um, turmoil. Excuse me. And um, our house was getting raided on a you know weekly basis. My mom was pregnant. And um, um, she, we, um, they would take us out of school. I was in second grade and they would take us out um, to demonstrations. My mom, that was it for her. She just couldn't deal with that. She, my mom grew up in Germany and um, she worked for a German pharmaceutical company in Iran and she had a really um, high position. Um, she was vice president of sales and my father flew for Iran Air. He was captain of 747. So um, all of that kind of came to a head for, for my parents. And there was also, you know, family ties um, to, you know, that, you know, put us kind of on the map for the militia or the military and things like that. So um, my parents, my mom, they decided they were going to, in order for me, they weren't letting, everybody was trying to flee the country at the time. And so um, we tried to, my mom tried to get a visa for us to go to Spain to visit my grandmother. Um, but because everybody was trying to do that, they said, well, uh, you and um, the young one, my brother was like seven, eight months old at the time, can leave, but your daughter's going to have to stay because she's over five years old. And the law of the land shifted daily. You know, there was never really set rules. So um, my mom pleaded that she didn't have anyone to, you know, leave me with and they didn't really care. So they had to hire smugglers to hire, to smuggle me out. And that's when she, um, you know, had to hand me over. My mom had to go to Turkey and Istanbul and wait. Um, my dad was to hand me to the smugglers and he did. Um, they didn't tell me what was going on because they, I was young. They, the smugglers told, I hate to refer to them as smugglers, but that's what I've, what I've um, referred to them this whole time. So they told uh, my dad that, you know, or my parents that I shouldn't know anything because in case we were stopped by border patrol, um, um, you know, children are honest and they could say some things. So they handed me off. I remember the day um, I remember um, it was two, there was another gentleman that was, you know, being taken across the border like myself. And then there was three that were kind of the guys doing it, like guiding us through. Um, they told my mom, they didn't know how long it was going to take. Um, there was no guarantee that we were going to make it. Um, and she was just to go to wait for us in Istanbul. And when that we would arrive that they would say the packages arrived. Um, so my dad handed me off. They picked me up. I remember, um, looking out the back window so I couldn't see my dad anymore. Um, I cried the first day, um, thinking that you know, my parents had given me up. Um, Take your time. But I remember saying to myself, um, uh, so I cried a lot the first day. We had to go stay in Tabarese, um, spend the night at actually one of my mom's cousin's house. And we got up really early in the morning. It was winter. And um, they, um, we hit the road. It was, it was dark still outside. And there was horses. And we got on horseback and um, went through the mountains. 
And so um, I remember saying to myself that it was going to be okay and that I liked horses and that I was going to make it. And that really, um, it wasn't a traumatic experience. I know I'm crying now because I think about all of the emotions that my mom must have gone through. Um, I really didn't uh, feel that. Um, I don't, I can't tell you it was a mindset. It was a shift in my mindset. And that was a marked moment for me for the rest of my life because um, everything else that happened from that point I knew that I could make it because if I made it through that, I could make it through anything. So it really became a positive for me. I was fortunate in that I was always able to um, look at that as my as my rock, as my moment, as that I can I can do anything. And I really became self reliant, and um, and so the rest of the journey was really I mean it was incredible. We went through from village to village, through um, snow, uh, from the first village. I mean, there was a tractor that broke down. The whole journey took five days um, through the mountainside. And um, everything that could have gone wrong had gone wrong. My jeans were frozen up to my knees. Um, I mean, I literally would break the ice off of my jeans. Um One of the gentlemen carried me on his back at times. Um, We would get to villages. I wouldn't eat because I was very vascose. Everything had to be clean. I was very particular. And so I wouldn't eat. I just had bread and yogurt was the only thing I felt that um, I could eat. I remember the one of the villages, the first villages, people were so kind. Um, They were really endangering themselves by letting us in. I didn't know that at the time, but looking back, um, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with Corsi, you know, mm-hmm. the, and they would have a Corsi because it was winter. And um, I remember the warmth and the comfort that I felt just to be in, um, in a space. And we would spend the night or we would spend a few hours. We would wait for some sort of transportation that sometimes would come and sometimes it wouldn't. And we would just have to continue on. So um, there was one, so I think it was the second stop, um, second village that we were at where, um, where there was a tractor and I remember so excited that it was like something that was going to move us a little bit faster than just on foot, um, but it broke down. And so we were back on foot. Um, through the third, and I, I've kind of lost track of what day was what, but one of the other memories that's a bit vivid is um, it was nighttime and we we're going through the mountains and there was a, the moonlight had illuminated the, the snow and the hillside. And I thought I was seeing a city. I guess I can't remember, but, it, but it, there wasn't, there wasn't a city. And um, uh, finally towards the last few days, um, we, um, I remember the each village got like progressively better, like, you know, went from huts to, you know, something with more of a building and structure. And then I think we had gotten closer to a portion of the border where um, there was a car um, that was waiting and we, we took the car to the airport. And I remember thinking to myself, gosh, I, I, I hope this car doesn't break down. And um, we got on an airplane and uh, flew into Istanbul. And then I remember my mom was staying at the Sheraton 
And she had um, friends that from Germany that everyone knew what my mom's going through. So they had invited her to, you know, their place. And she had uh, German friends in Istanbul that were hosting her the day I arrived. So I remember going, uh, I remember the lobby of the hotel. I remember um, the gentleman I was with trying to find my mom and she wasn't there. Um, then I remember her coming and checking in and, and running and greeting her. And um, it was, it was, it never occurred to me. I mean, I, I don't remember that. Um, it just seemed like a journey. And then there was my mom. It was never, uh, it was like, as if I knew I was going to connect with her again. So there was never like this sense of abandonment, even though in the very beginning, I felt that I was, I was being abandoned. Um, so the journey became my journey and then reconnected with my mom. And then, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. We lived in Spain for a year, um, you know, to get political asylum. And we came into the U.S. Um, properly. And we lived in Santa Barbara for a little bit to get established. And um, my, my father got a job with United Airlines. And then we moved to Santa, Orange County. And, you know, we started um, kind of the rest of our, our lives here. That, I mean, I got teary yeah. during that as well. I, I can only imagine just what you're going through as a child. You know, we remember certain things of our lives. And when we get older, there's only, it's like a, it's a blip in history. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, that sounds kind of familiar, but I don't know if that was a dream or if I really experienced it. And you took us through, I felt like I was there with you the entire time. <laughs> and, and I know it's probably really hard to like talk about. And, and I think you said it perfectly. Like it, it wasn't that it was a traumatic experience, but it was an experience that you weren't expecting as a child. You, you see your mother and we didn't have phones back then. So I can only imagine what your mom was going through day by day. I mean, my, my mom freaks out if I get on a plane to go to New York for four hours and she can't get a hold of me. So I can only imagine five days or, you know, you didn't know how many days at that time or your mom didn't. So thank you for sharing that with us. I'm, I'm, you know, it's, it's, interesting to me because I feel like anyone I speak to, like my parents, whoever has, has gone through an experience, it's always been a different experience. So the thought of you writing a book actually doesn't seem too far off. Um, and I, I think it's great that you're humble in the way that's like so many other people have experienced things, but this is what made you who you are and becoming resilient, like you said, and becoming self-sufficient um, and always knowing in the back of your mind, you were still going to have that reunion. I think that's our generation is different and it's gotten different throughout the years, but the younger we get in a sense, like we think one door closes or I didn't get accepted here or something. It's at the end of the world. And there's so many people who've gone through different parts of life. And it's interesting because you don't want to say that my experience was harder. So if I can do it, anyone can, but it's people experience hardships in different ways. But hearing stories like this is so inspiring because it's like, not only did your parents leave a country where they were from and they knew, but in creating a life for their family in, you know, Spain here, that's something I can't even imagine myself. Like at 30 plus years, I don't even want to say my age now, but to have a, take care of someone else besides myself seems like a difficult task, but thank you for sharing that. With everything that you've experienced, what are your hopes for people when they think about Iran or see Iran through the media um, or watch movies about the revolution? What are your hopes that, and what would you want them to know about Iran or what the people of Iran went through? You know, um, I, I don't know 
what I can say about our culture is that um, I love I love the support we we give each other when when we need it um, from each other. It's really nice to connect with you and what you're doing, for example, is to lift lift each other up as, as women, right? And to kind of spotlight what we all, all of our struggles are and the challenges. Um, I personally learned from my journey that you are, you're really as good as your challenge, right? And so the harder the challenge, the better I'm going to come out on the other end of it. And that's really kind of been my motto through my life because if there's not been a single challenge that I've looked back on, right. That I went, thank God that happened because I wouldn't be who I am now better for whatever it was that that challenge was meant to teach me. And so thinking back to, and honestly, I, I, it's not just Iranians. I mean, you look at, you can spin the, spin the globe and put your finger anywhere. And I'm sure there's someone there going through hardship. What I guess would want people to know is that we're all human. doesn't matter what part of the world you come from. Um, everyone's got a story and everyone's got a hardship and to be empathetic towards that is, I think what matters the most, whether it's the family in the next city that's doesn't know where their next meal is going to come from, or the person who didn't get an opportunity because of the color of their skin or the person because of their religion was um, mocked. Right. We're, we're, we're all humans and we all have stories. So I think that's kind of the takeaway I would want for people, you know, women, men, we, we all, I think it's time to just unite um, in any way we can and just, you know, look at it from that perspective. I, that was the perfect way to end that conversation is we're all human. And I, I say that all the time and it's so simple, but there's so much behind that. Sefi, did you, I want to thank you so much for not only telling us about your journey through Iran through here, but what you're doing for efficiency and green homes. I think what you're doing is so incredible and I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Of course. For more inspiring interviews, head on over to shittingconversations.com. If you like today's show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. And don't forget to rate and review and follow on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Sheeting Conversations. You can also watch episodes on YouTube. I'm Majina Paravan, and you've been listening to Sheeting Conversations. Thank you.